You did it. You finally produced and posted your first series of videos for your startup. You wrote the scripts, filmed them, edited them, and uploaded them to an online platform. And all that's left to do is to sit back, relax, and watch the views roll in. But of course they don't. Well, not beyond the views that you paid for anyway. In this episode, we discuss the steps anyone can take to gain attention and trigger viewers to act on your videos. My name is Jared Doyle, and this is The Fractal Podcast, where I interview marketing experts from around the world to help startup founders like you drive their business forward. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, I'm joined by Jonathan Creek, who is an award-winning investigative journalist, TED speaker, founder of Virable, and most importantly to us, He's an expert into the science or maybe luck or combination of both around viral videos. So Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. And look, I think this is a great topic. I am all in on video. He says doing a podcast, which has no video element whatsoever. (laughs) But you know, I'm I'm a believer in video. It is the medium of choice that people are using at the moment. But I'm also very familiar with what it's like as a founder where you pour your heart and soul into producing a video that you think is going to be great and you upload it and you launch it and it turns out it bombs and you feel like you spent all this time and effort. And so what's exciting for me is hopefully extracting some nuggets of wisdom and advice for founders out there who want to do videos and yeah, okay, we want them to go viral, but at least get some traction. So I want to you know, extract those nuggets of wisdom from you. You know, How do we go about making a viral video? I don't know. Is that too broad of a question to start with? Well, it's a big question. It's a big question. But I think, you know, what's really important in all of this is that the reason I studied viral videos is because I consider them the alpha predator on the internet. So if you're going to learn to make any videos at all, you might as well learn from the best. And, you know, we're in this era now, and Gary Vaynerchuk says it a lot, you are your own media company. So whether you're a startup, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a franchisee of a bigger company, whether you're even just an employee looking to make sure that you're valuable into the future, you have to be your own media business or your own broadcaster. The problem that we have- Right, and that that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, but the problem that we have is not that many of us are actually trained in broadcasting. Not that many of us actually have spent years and decades working out how to tell stories that are going to resonate and- gain traction and gain the attention of the audiences that we seek that are going to buy from us or perform some sort of action. And so what I find when I work with a lot of startups is that usually they're too close to their own business. So that's probably the first tip I'll give you. Become self-aware enough to realize, are you just making this video to promote yourself or are you thinking about what is it that you actually are for your audience? Not what your product can do for them, but how does your audience see you in their story? What role are you playing in their story? And then you have to create your content from that perspective. That's the first step. Right. And I guess, you know, well, storytelling is, it's hot right now. Everyone's talking about it. We're we're discussing what it is to be the hero, what it is to be the sage in a story and how to position yourself. So I guess, you know, understanding your positioning in your business and or your role in your customers' lives and their business is absolutely crucial is, is the key point you're, you're putting in there, right? Yeah. A lot of people, you know, for example, a lot of people will put themselves as the hero. A lot of brands put themselves as the hero. And to be honest, very few are. You know, my golden rule would be if you're a startup business, 
just kicking off. If you think that you're the hero, you're probably wrong. Because if you are the hero, then you've got a tough road ahead of you because you're in a spending race. All hero brands are in spending races. And if you're a startup, I haven't met too many that have the budgets to fight a spending race against the likes of Nike and a few of the others. You know, they're, they're monsters. Yeah, exactly. And, and not only do no startups have the money to compete with them, Nike is actually one of the best examples of someone who does storytelling where they hero their customers. You know, Nike is simply the sage that helps you become the athlete you can be. So, you know, not only can we not outspend Nike, but they've actually nailed their storytelling as well. So they hero the people who wear the shoes, not the actual shoes themselves anymore. So they're even doing it right. I'm going to argue with you a little bit there. I hope you don't mind. No, go for it. Yes, they do play the sage. I, I think they do play the sage, but they also play the hero. Yeah, they're the they're the brand that you wear if you want to win, and they're the ones who are going to get you there. They, I mean, this is the thing we talk about: what role are you when you're a company as big as Nike across so many different divisions? You probably play a couple of different roles to a couple of different audiences. So when it comes to people like you and me, Jared, trying to nail them down to one, it's probably a little bit unfair to say, "Oh, they're just one." But if we're talking startups. You've got to be able to really understand where you stand in the story for your audience because you can never tell your story unless you know the starting point. And that starting point starts with where do you stand? So the example of that would be you know, news, news reporters do a great, or TV stations do a great job of this. If you think about the different news TV shows on television, so here in Australia you have your sunrise on channel seven in the morning then you have your six o'clock news they used to have today tonight at 6 30 if you think about those from an from a storytelling perspective they will tell similar the same story about the same incident differently each time so that's a real lesson for people to look at am i you know am i the fun sunrise type am i the straight mass media news type or am i the more creative extreme sensationalist current affairs type so that's three storytellers across one channel so it's really interesting for startups to work that out is that sorry is that the style of storyteller that they are so that they're they're a humorous storyteller or is the story about them humorous is that the idea well the point is that they're the people telling the stories are coming from a different position so they're they're a different archetype altogether so we're talking about sages which are the wise you're talking about the heroes you're talking about the rebels and the disruptors I would say that, you know, a sunrise as a storyteller probably sits within the creator mix or the jester where they have a bit more fun about it, not as serious. The news is probably the sage, your six o'clock news, because that's your straight up and down. And then your current affairs is probably telling a disruptor type story all across the same topic. So say it's the one incident, they'll tell it in three different ways to make sure they capture all the audience. Yeah, okay. I can see exactly where you're going there. I'm, in my mind's eye, I'm running through stories now and thinking, yep, okay, I can see the, the different way of doing that. So, so your advice there is to work out how you're going to tell that story as a storyteller about your business or your product or your service. And that's the first element to getting your story right, which of course then you can then roll into your video, I guess. Yeah. And that's the thing that viral videos get really, they nail it really well. And you know, I've watched over 1,200 viral videos and pulled them apart. I was looking for the one script fits all solution to viral videos because I, I wanted to have a production company that only made viral videos. So I was looking for this one script to success and it doesn't exist. 
But what does exist is is a number of steps or things that they all get right, relevant to themselves and where they stand. So that starting point is most important. What's your character? Because then anything can happen in the world and you know what position you are then responding from. The problem that we have is that people go chasing views. They look at what their competitors are doing. They're looking at what other people are doing who are getting the followings and, and getting the views, and they turn themselves into someone else just to react the way that the others did. And what that creates is schizophrenic communication. And when we're on social media, we, we consume a lot of everything off a brand. And if, if it disconnects between post to post, you're going to sit there and say, I don't really trust this person. And it could be subconscious. I don't really trust this brand because they're shifting all the time. I'd rather they just stayed still and then I know where they stand. I know what I'm going to get from them. And you either buy into it or you don't as an audience. Yeah. But I'm wondering, you know, in the, in the instance where we talk about a viral video where it explodes and your reach goes way beyond where you'd been previously. I mean, most people who watch it aren't going to have known your brand beforehand. So is the idea of knowing exactly where you need to position yourself that it's true and it's more, I guess it's true to yourself. So it's going to be more trustworthy just in nature because, you know, I'm, I'm imagining videos where you're used to getting a few thousand views and all of a sudden explodes, you get a million. So I guess your advice here is that if you're not true to yourself and your positioning and you get a million views and you find yourself getting press and newspapers and radio interviews and TV interviews, it's going to be really hard to maintain that fake persona if you've, you know, taken the jester approach and it turns out you're not naturally funny. <laughs> it's going to be a difficult one to do. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's really important to differentiate here. So the viral videos that we really focus on and that we can learn from are the ones that are engineered to go viral to begin with. So, you know, I look at brand viral videos. So these, this is people who sat down and said, we're going to make a video with the aim for it to go viral. Also on YouTube, you have this section of videos that go viral just because someone happened to have a camera when something lucky happened or something amazing happened. So yeah, the guy who rescues the squirrel and raises it, and then the day that he puts it out in the tree, the family cat comes and takes it and eats the squirrel. Right. Okay. Is that a real video or yeah. is that what your mind's just come up with? No, that's 100% real. Um, I'll, send you, <laughs> I'll send you the link. 100% real. You know, it's devastating for the guy, but it's got you know, over 100 million views. That's the world that we live in. Sad, sadly, I'm not here to judge. That's just what happens. But then if you flip over and look at a brand like Red Bull or a brand like Levi's or even Apple, yeah, they engineer their videos to be shared. Yeah. And they they do a couple of different things that they extract from marketing backgrounds, from movie, from human behaviorists, all these steps that then they all come together, which the internet allows it to come together like never before, because then as a viewer, you can trigger an action. Now on TV, if you think about TV advertising, they've never been able to trigger a direct action. So what, you, what they used to do, and I used to work in TV sales, is that if you ran a yogurt ad, in the prime time the night before, they would then look to the supermarkets the next day to see if, if they'd received a spike in sales. And that's how they'd judge whether the campaign worked. Yep. With the internet now, they can see spikes as soon as they post the video. They can see where people go. They can see whether they hover over the product and don't buy it. They can see heat maps of the screens. Where are they looking? What did they like? Where did they jump out? Does it work if we retarget them? You know, it's a, the data is more enriched. So our understanding of what's going on in a viewer's mind and, and how to trigger them to act is a lot richer than we've ever had before. So if we look at these branded videos like Red Bull, there is an assumed knowledge about what you're going to get. So if I even just by mentioning a Red Bull video, you know, you're already going to have in your mind a picture of what it's going to be like. 
it's going to be extreme. If you're into motorbikes, it's probably going to be motorbikes because YouTube and Facebook know that you're into motorbikes, so they'll send you the Red Bull motorbike ad yeah, or the Red Bull motorbike video. If you're into skydiving, they'll send you the skydiving one. I mean, that's where we're getting now. So they know that it's going to be relevant to that person, so relevant that Facebook then uses the filter bubble effect. And I'm not sure, do you know about the filter bubble effect? Have you heard about it? Yeah, I think, well, I've read the book by the oh, name, right. The Filter so Bubble, right so... It. So you can correct yeah. you, you can correct me, well. but obviously <laughs> what happens with Facebook and anyone who's listening, just take a moment and think about this. Everyone in your Facebook audience or your Facebook circle is similar to you. Yeah, you were about a similar age. You're probably going through similar life milestones. You know, when one person gets married, usually over the next 12 months, another 10 get married. If you have a baby, then all of a sudden you get all the baby spam. I mean, that's how the internet now works. So for marketers who are creating content, who then can put money behind it, you only need to land it with one person and get them to share it and it starts the viral cycle. And and that sharing action, that that's gonna be that's critical, right? So, you know, I've I've made lots of videos that get lots of likes. So I've been quite successful at making videos that get comments, but I've never really created a video that gets shared. And I'd love to, I mean, this is totally selfish. This is me using you now to get absolutely but I'm hoping everyone else appreciates it as well. How do you get the share? Because, I mean, I can get a like, I can get a view, I can get a click, I can get a comment, but how do you get the share so that the viral beast starts? Yeah, and this is the trick because there are five steps to a viral cycle and the first four are simply barriers you have to surpass to get someone to take action. So it's almost like a test point. If, you, if you're not relevant, you don't get past stage one. You know, if, you, if you don't open a story loop, you don't get past stage two and so on. The fifth stage is the physical response, the action. Now, the best way to think about viral sharing or getting someone to trigger sharing is to think about when you go to the movies. Now, I'm sure amongst your audience, there'll be people when I ask this question that will put up their hand and there'll be some who don't who are lying to us. Who here has ever cried at the movies, right? Well, hopefully everyone's got an emotional intelligence high enough to have cried cried at some point. (laughs) That's right. My hand's gone up. I cry at the movies all the time. Now, here's the thing. If a movie can make you cry, a video can make you share because it's the similar, it's the same switch in the brain that triggers sharing. It's just a different physical response. Now, where Hollywood's really good is that they're good at giving you the feels. Walt Disney famously said that He wants kids to cry as much as they laugh when they watch his movies. Now, the reason he does that is because he wants to fire all different parts of the brain and get them addicted to Disney. That's what they do. It's the same with viral videos. But rather than getting someone to cry, you want them to share it. And it's what's called uh, hitting people. Right, so these these Disney movies that I grew up in, these are like the the Jungle Book or Bambi or whatever it is, those deaths of parents and things and Lion King, that's that's critical to how they get people to, to share. Or get people to talk about it afterwards, because remember, back then there was no internet, it was word of mouth. And viral videos, really what we see is it's just a mimicking of word of mouth. It's almost, it's ego driven in a sense, is that, you know, when I worked in TV news, you'd walk in the next morning and the first thing that would happen is that everyone would be sitting around and talking about the best story from the night before. Oh my God, did you see this? Or did you see that? Oh, did you see what he did there? Or she did with that? Gee, that was a really good edit. That's what they talk about. And so, you know, I became really fascinated with how can I be the one that they're always talking about? And so I looked 
to viral videos. I looked at, you know, kids who are using their dad's handy cams to get a million views versus me using experts and tens of thousands of dollars in budget every story saying, well, how come they're getting better? How come they're doing better than me? What is it? So it's about extracting that almost water cooler talk. The internet then allows us to say you know, or share instantly. Say so in my Facebook feed, if anything pops up to do with Star Wars, I'm the guy that shares it. Like I get it first, I share it. And now after time and repeated process and actions and habits, I am now basically the Star Wars listening post amongst my audience. So if I post anything with Star Wars, I get more of a response because that's why people come or follow me. And so you can do that with a brand as well. So you become right. So I'm still I'm still trying to get my head around that emotional yeah. that link. So when you said yep. it was an emotional response, that's a physical response. Okay, so that's the thing that says I want to share it. But I guess my question is, why do I want to share it? What's 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 in it for me sharing it? Is it about trying to make myself into the I don't know what, what, why why do I want to share it? Is there something psychological there that makes me want to click the button? There is. There's a lot of different things at play. So it can be it can be relevance. It can be like you know that someone's in need of something. And you've found the thing that they need or, or a possible answer for that. So you share it to them. And we see that a lot when people leave tags with names. And you know, where you see on Facebook where they just tag someone's name, that's about, hey, I'm here to help you. And you're almost as an individual, you're gaining points with that friend because you're always contributing to their life. And it's sort of like doing them a favor. The other way is that you can share emotions, play the biggest role in it. So to understand emotions, and I, th- I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but to understand the viral cycle and the way that it triggers is that we've got positive emotions and we've got negative emotions, but they behave very differently in the viral cycle. So if you make someone really happy, astonished, excited, ecstatic, that sort of stuff, that video will share gradually like a hill and then it'll die off slowly. But if you make people sad or angry, it'll spike really high and then drop really fast. So you've got a really tall, pointy hill and you've got a long, slow hill. In terms of reach, it's about the same in terms of numbers, but one's like road rage and one's like a feel-good song. And so what it actually, what it is that drives you is depending on your content, you may want to drive, you may want to share a piece of content that makes you feel happy because let's say it's a kid who's deaf, who's hearing for the first time, and you may have a kid who's about the same age. It doesn't necessarily have to be deaf, but it's relevant to you because imagine if your child was deaf, mm. you get those, you feel that. And it's, there's a piece just to the right of your heart. So if you follow your left nostril down, just to the right of your heart, about nipple point, that's where you feel. And that's what triggers the sharing. So if you can build up enough motion, emotions there, whether they're happy or sad, uh, there's some that perform better than others, but you have to get the emotions to that level that it flicks the switch. And what I'd say is happening in your videos, if you're getting likes and views, but you're not getting shares, you're not quite wringing the emotions out enough. You're not quite pushing the pain points enough to get people to say, whoa, this is the answer. This is helping me. You're getting people to say, oh, that was good. Yeah, real cool. But they're not sharing it on. So it's about, whoa, that is exactly what we're after. That's exactly going to remove my pain. I'm sending this out to all my friends because I want the kudos for being the person that introduced this to my circle and solved it. 
Right. And that last bit there seems like that seems like one of the key elements, right? So you invoke some form of emotion. And I'm guessing it could be humor, it could be all sorts of things in there, but it's the kudos for sharing it and kind of trying to be like first and basically attaching yourself to that. That's that's the key bit. Yeah, but you never get to the ego bit unless you get to the emotion the strong emotional bit too. So never underestimate the power of the ego. Yeah, that there's a lot at play there. Humans notoriously have massive egos and it drives a lot of their decision making. But it's not ego as if you know what's been painted in pop culture. So you know, you're not the high school jock who's walking around and owns the corridor. It's just how can I bring this to my world and be the person that helps? It's a subtle ego. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? I'm starting to see where that comes from. It is, it is, it is. And I've got this irking thing in the back of my mind because before you went through a list and you went, oh, there's five points and you sort of went relevance, one, story loop, two, and then all the way down to five. And then I've just got this in my head. What was three and four? It's kind of like you've, okay. created, a, you've created a story, you've framed it, and you gave me a list, and then you've created this theory of gap in analysis where I'm like, hang on, there was a list of five and you gave me three and it's killing me. So yeah. I'm going to ask you to go back and just run through those five points again because it started really well and then I lost you. So have you seen what I did there? I opened a curiosity loop in your yeah. brain <laughs> and that is a big part of it. So you know, if you're, a, if you're creating videos uh, and you're a startup and I'm not jumping the question, well, I will get to steps three and four for you. <laughs> the way to get attention. So the biggest battle today on the internet is there's so much noise. We hear it everywhere. The first thing you got to do is grab someone's attention. Now you grab someone's attention, you go to YouTube, it's all about the thumbnail, it's all about how do you stand out from the crowd, are you answering a question or attracting attention that's really relevant to the viewer, that's step one. Step two is you then have to start uh, letting them know that you're going to be telling them a story because the brain's the most selfish organ in the body and the brain spends 30% of its time telling itself stories every day when you're awake. So 30% of the time, it has to generate its own stories. Now, the brain's pretty selfish. It also likes to be pretty lazy. So if it can have someone else doing the work for it, it will take it and it'll lock in. Okay, so that's the next step is you have to let the story, the brain know that there's a story coming. But the best stories work if there's a curiosity loop, like I left you. Hey, he said, he said something. Now I want to know more. I have to hang around to hear the end of this. I want to work out what steps three and four are. So you see that? Yep. So once we get that, once we get those two going, you've then hijacked your audience's attention. Okay. So basically, the brain will put up blocks and filters, which will block out any other distractions. That's why people walk in front of cars in the city on their phones <laughs> because they're they're stuck. It's true. You you go to the city and watch it happen. I I spend a day every month among crowded places watching how people behave with phones just to see how engaged they are with content. Now, that's the thing. They get this hijacked attention. It's no different than if you've got kids and they're sitting in front of the television and you say, hey, go have your breakfast or get dressed or get ready for school and you come back 10 minutes later and they haven't moved and you yell at them and then they look at you as if, why are you yelling at me? Like this has come from zero to 100 like in no time and you're like, no, 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 I spoke to you 10 minutes ago but they've got no idea because Walt Disney has locked them in. I think you were in my house this morning with my son not getting ready. <laughs> it was, there was that exact moment. Yeah, well, here's, here's the problem, Jared. You can no longer tell him off because it's not his fault. It's the brain's hijacked. He's, the brain has locked into a story. He's been hijacked. It's not his fault. Can't blame him anymore. 
Sorry. <laughs> I think I will. I think it's parents' prerogative to blame him for not getting dressed in the morning. Okay, cool. So the first thing you've got to be is you've got to be you've got to be able to grab attention. Mm-hmm. The second step is you've you then got to look at the storytelling elements. The third step is you're there oh, the curiosity loop. The third step is you have to start telling a story. Now, in terms of story, if, if you're a startup and you're not an experienced broadcaster, go and have a look at the three-act play. It's the most popular storytelling framework in the world. Anyone can learn it. It's easy and it works. It's successful. It's been around for thousands of years. So the three-act play is the storytelling element. That turns the brain off from any other distractions. The next step is triggers, which is more like a PR situation where, okay, what are the triggers? This is relevant, but what are the triggers that make it like a moment of peak relevance right here, right now? So no use making videos talking about stuff that happened two weeks ago if you're not adding to the current day. People don't want to go back and be taught a history lesson from two weeks ago. They want to be they want to have the latest, newest, shiniest, most up-to-date information and strategies. Yeah. Can you give me an example of, of a trigger or some, something I might be able to relate to for that one? Oh, the best triggers for, for creating videos are in the calendar. So if you're a brand or a business, you can look at a calendar. And this is so simple. I do this with my clients all the time. They look at me as if this guy is just telling us really simple stuff. And I go, yeah, well, why haven't you thought about it before? Well, it's because common sense isn't that common. So if you're a brand or a business, no matter what you are, say I've got a guy at the moment that I'm working with who does African safaris, right? So he looks through the calendar and he can look at things like New New Year's Eve is a great time for him to make videos about what do you want to do this year that's out of the box? What do you want to achieve or experience that you have never experienced before? Do you want to go and see lions in, in the wild? Do you want to go see tigers? Do you want to go see elephants? Right, so that's about tapping into that trigger of people setting New Year's resolutions. Right? It only happens once a year. Right, okay. It's a really good trigger to jump onto. The next one for other brands, it can be things like Valentine's Day. Say you're a chocolate brand, Valentine's Day is perfect, right? That's a trigger. You look see a lot of the YouTubers now, they really focus on things like Halloween. So you'll get them doing a lot of stunt trick videos and prank videos around Halloween, and they'll collaborate with other YouTubers. So that's becoming a trend and a trigger. For you, from a marketing point of view, it's probably South by Southwest or announcements yesterday with Apple, WW mm. conference. You know, hey guys, you want to know how to edit your own videos? Apple's just announced this suite of upgrades. You can't do that video in two weeks' time. You understand? Yep. So there's no point making a video about Apple's conference yesterday in two weeks because it's no longer a moment of peak relevance. You need to make that video yesterday or today. So that's a great example. And I guess in some instances, it's possible to actually create your own trigger. So if I'm Red Bull and I go into outer space and a guy jumps off a rocket ship and comes careering back down with a parachute, effectively Red Bull invested in their own trigger in that situation. Yeah, they created a moment that was massive. And Felix Baumgartner, when he jumped out of space, I study that video and deliver it in my keynote talk all the time. What they did there was incredible. And, you know, they had TV stations broadcasting that from the internet before they even asked permission because it was just growing such a massive audience that they just jumped on it and then negotiated it after. It was crazy. But yeah, you can. If you're big enough and you've got a brand, you can create your own moments. But also if you're a startup and you've got a really good community, I do a lot of work with startups in rural and regional areas and you know they can communicate with a, you know, with a small town of say 10 to 15,000 people. You can reach them pretty easily and create your own events. So like, 
you say you're a personal trainer or a fitness business, you can easily create a trigger. You say, you know what, come down to the main city park on this morning and we're going to have a group fitness event, right? Now that's sort of attractive to most people, but if you do it on Pink Ribbon Day, you say, hey, women of country town X, why don't you come down to the park? I'm going to work out and make you feel healthy and good about yourselves. The local baker's going to put on some breakfast and we're going to raise awareness and money for breast cancer. Yeah. That takes it to another level again, just by adding a trigger. That's brilliant. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, these are elements that we get. These are things that we go, yeah, I get what that is. You know, I've, I've done that before. But you're, you're stacking them together here to say these are the elements you need to think of if you want to yeah, make a viral video. So- you know, and I'm I'm taking notes as I do this, but I'm also thinking about people who are listening to this driving along in a car, they're out for a walk or a run. So I'm really keen to, you know, give everyone a venue or an, a location to come and find more of this information that you've been giving us because it's it's there's golden nuggets there. But I feel for most people, they're like, I need to go and think about this for a bit. So if people want to find more of your thoughts and your frameworks and your things, where are the best places to go to learn more about this from you? Probably the best place is my Facebook page. So that's facebook.com slash Jonathan Creek. My YouTube channel is not quite up to scratch at the moment, but there's a lot of things going on in the background at the moment. But usually through Facebook, I'll announce where I'm speaking next, uh, events that I'm going to. And so if there's people who want to get in touch, just send me a message. I'm pretty accessible. I love talking to different people in different situations. I'm a puzzle solver. I love solving any sorts of problems. So send them through and we'll have a go. Yeah, and a lot of different things that I do to help people. That's brilliant. And I should say too, like, I, you know, you've got your TEDx talk that you did in Sydney, and that's definitely something if you want to be really passive and just consume, well, it's about 17, 18 minutes worth of video on this same topic, that's another place I, you know, highly recommend checking out your talk there. As I said to you before, I think I'm like, I almost got it finished and then we started the podcast. So I've got to go finish it after I've done this. So I didn't quite get it done in time, but that's another great place. Make sure you finish it and share it. If you just type in Jonathan Creek TEDx, it comes up. That's probably a really good overview of this stuff. You know, it's a really clear and concise overview, I think, that TEDx. But it, you know, it's, a, you know, it's a subject that I spent five years researching, so it's pretty hard to squeeze it into you know, to 15 or 16 minutes. But I think it's a pretty good one. Great. And I've got one last question before we wrap up. Is there a video at the moment, not one that you've done necessarily, but is there a video at the moment that you think is nailing all the elements? I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be a viral video, but is there one that or two that you can point to that people can go check out and you say, like, these guys are doing it well? We, we know Red, but we know these big ones, but are there some other maybe smaller ones that you've seen that I think are, are pretty good examples? I am um, actually have been spending a lot of my time in the last couple of weeks studying 360 video and virtually what's the next step. So I suppose there's a lesson here. I'm going to balk the question a little bit because I don't want to play favorites, but there are a lot of cosmetic brands that do it really well. Dove has always done it well and they've uh, released another one. Gillette, I think they've, I mean, I know they're big companies, but they're really pushing the boundaries at the moment. You know, to make viral videos nowadays, you sort of almost have to be a bit risky, mm. which is the advantages that startups have, because if you're your own boss, then you can you can make that decision and and take that step and I'd encourage it. Don't sit there and just don't think about all the things that could go wrong. Think about all the things that go right. Because, you know, if someone calls you out for, you know, something you've said in a video or not, it's gone. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah, there are people out there who spend their entire time just picking on others. So Gillette's being really brave almost. You know, I can't imagine 
the marketing meetings or how they got some of those, particularly the the dad teaching his transgender kid how to shave for the first time. I, I just can't imagine. Yeah, you know, I praise them for whoever was sitting in that meeting and said, yes, let's do this. Good on you. Very brave. And we need to see more of it. So I think they're setting the trail. But if you're a startup, don't damage your brand. Don't go out there and do, and do stupid stuff. <laughs> but you know, be a voice and take a stand. Find a position, a belief that you have, and stick to it. I think that's I think that's great advice. And I've discussed Gillette on, on previous podcasts, and it was one of those ones where when the first Gillette of the new Gillette brand, if you like, came out, we kind of discussed it as being well. You know, is it genuine? Is it real? And as you said right at the start, there's this thing of, well, you need to be able to repeat it. You need to be able to stick with it. And so we left that discussion with, at the time, it didn't feel genuine, but Gillette's backed it up with two, three, four attempts now, and they keep continuing this. And so you start to think, well, actually, they've probably found a new position and they're really working towards that. So that repetition and that sticking to a story, I think, is both true in what you said at the start, which is being true to yourself and being you know what you want to be and framing it the way you want to and telling the story the way you want to. And it also, it's an interesting knockback to sort of six podcasts ago where I spoke with someone, we were, we were wondering, is this just a one-off shot where they tried to do something special or is it, you know, an, a genuine change? So, you know, I think with Gillette, it's an evolving repositioning of the brand. And if they keep sticking to it, eventually, you know, I think it's going to become very believable and and I'll start to see Gillette as a different brand than I did sort of five years ago. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Gillette was always known as being blokey and break through the barriers and, you know, somehow being shaved, having a Gillette shave made you more handsome. To then come to this socially conscious position, it is a big shift and that's why you were doubting it because it's like, well, hold on a minute, that's not the guy I used to know. And this is the thing, you know, we humanize, as humans, we humanize brands. And yeah, that's probably an, another thing people have to think about. Don't just be rigid in your delivery, be human. And, and being human means that sometimes you make mistakes or, you know, you, you don't quite get it right. You know, I think you and I, we, did, we didn't nail this podcast 100%. Uh, we never will. We can do it 100 times. It'll come out different every time. But that's what being human is. This is how we delivered it at the time. And I think a lot of small businesses and brands, they try and convince themselves too much of what not to do. And I think one of the things they, I always hear all the time is, oh, yeah, I'm waiting till I can get the perfect day, or I'm waiting until I buy a new camera, or I'm waiting until you know, I've got a studio or got my office set up. Guess what? You can walk into Ted's cameras tomorrow, and I dare you, and I've done this, walk into Ted's cameras tomorrow and they'll say, hey, how can I help you? respond with this line. I want to buy the I don't want to buy the best camera. I want to buy the camera that's going to get me the most views on YouTube. <laughs> I'll probably tell you it's the one in your, it's, the, it's the one that's already on your phone in your pocket and just start filming everything. Yeah, they'll look at you and not, not know what to do because it's true. There is no camera that's going to be out there to get you more views. Yeah, you know, people don't care whether it's shot on your phone or whether it's shot on the sort of cameras that I use that shoot 4K. Yes, they do make a bit of a difference, but not the biggest difference. The biggest difference is your voice. Work out your beliefs, work out what you believe in, work out what your mantra is. So how do you want to serve people? Why is it you're standing there? And you look at Gillette, they've made a stand. They've consciously said, this is what we used to be, but now we're making a stand. And they're making a stand for probably people who make up less than 0.20% of the population. 
So they're not really looking to sell razors to those actual people that they're defending. They're actually looking to sell razors to people who also believe that everyone should be treated equally. Mm -hmm. And that's a much bigger percentage of the population. And that's what they're doing it for. And that's great. And I'm going to say we're going to leave it there because that's a fantastic sort of wrap-up synopsis to to finish off the podcast episode with. So, look, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show. I've learned a lot. I've got a page full of notes and I've got other videos to go chase. I'm sure everyone else has as well. And look, yeah, just again, thank you so much for being on the show. Jared, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.